Everybody, welcome back. It's Wednesday with this, with my amazing guest co-host, the one I only Tracy Bonner. Tracy Bonner. Tracy, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day. And this week's amazing guest, thought leader for diversity and inclusion, Paris Prince. Back again. Atlanta loves you. We are so glad that you are here with us. We hope that you've had a great week in our city. Yeah, you know what? Uh, folks are really touchy-feely here this weekend. I don't know what's going on. It's the touchy-feely week in the city of Atlanta. It is, we're not a city of brotherly love, but they also <laughs> call us Hot Atlanta. So, Paris, that could be a part of We have such a full Wednesday docket. And we'll start off talking about um, and something that we kind of talked about you know, among ourselves as we were queuing up and going over the show notes for our Wednesday episode uh, last week. Um, in the CNN town, did anybody actually catch the CNN LGBTQ town hall? No, I didn't see I it didn't. either. But yeah, I've been able to kind of see some clips. It's it's circulating uh, some of the highlights. And when uh, Senator Kamala Harris took the stage, she introduced herself by saying that my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And then Andrew Cuomo, who was moderating, he's a CNN personality, said mine too. And it has actually caused quite a bit of an up because basically saying, "Oh yeah, mine too." Well, what did he mean? What does when, that mean? what he means by what he was meaning by that is basically downplaying the importance of you using self-identifying pronouns. He was basically saying that this really it can be a made a, you can make a joke about it. It may not be as serious. And the cast of Pose, two of their stars, India Moore and Angelica Ross, along with members of the entire transgender community have really attacked CNN as well as uh, Chris Cuomo uh, for those uh, comments. He has since apologized when he said that when Senator Harris and her pronouns were, she said that her pronouns were she, her, and hers. I said mine too. I should not have. I apologize. I'm an ally. But what do you guys think about this in general? Well, I'm not a part of the LGBTQ is it IA? IA plus um, community. Plus community. Um, so I'm not as educated on this, but I do know someone who likes to be referred to as a they. And so I'm not around. They, them, theirs. <laughs> yes. They, them, theirs. theirs. And I, I still call her a her. And it's hard for me not to because I've known her so many years as they, as a... Uh, you know them it's yeah. confusing it's mm-hmm. hard for me so I, I really don't have much to offer other than I'm confused and I'm scared right. to say because I don't want to offend anybody so I'm mm-hmm. walking around on eggshells educate yeah. me mm-hmm. yeah I think that this is a very nascent uh, uh, change for a lot of people mm-hmm. to be introduced to you know uh, pronouns that you know, just may be different than what we perceive with our eyes. And I think that that's an important part of diversity and inclusion. Uh, there's so much more to you, to me, to Zach, mm-hmm. than what we can see by looking at each but other. But in school, we're taught they and them is plural. So explain that. How can a singular person be a they? Well, they and them function as, functions as an agender pronoun hmm. so it's genderless I, I don't identify with as them. male or female okay uh, so can can they them and there walk me. into either bathroom well it depends on the, the municipality okay. <laughs> don't do that in north carolina <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh you know uh i i do think that uh cuomo was 
Uh, insensitive. Very insensitive. And I mean, with allies like that, geez, you know, it's, it's making light of a topic that's very, very serious for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are transgender, agender, gender nonconforming, you know, they want to live and they want to live uh, freely to be who they are without fear. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, with an ally like that making jokes when, you know, we do have folks who are struggling to understand uh, the pronouns mm-hmm. and to appropriately use them uh, uh, so as to respect and not offend uh, people. Um, because it, I'm going to be honest. I'm one of those people. I, I don't know, like every, it feels like every two years there's a new letter added. So I'm like, well, well what, what does this particular letter mean? I'm just now learning what the LGB right tq means and now i have two more letters then yeah i a which is intersex because some people are actually born with both, both sexes you know okay. and they used to have the unfortunate term of hermaphrodite mm-hmm. but the world has evolved in that way and you also have asexual and some people just don't want to identify with any type of sexual uh and don't feel connected thought, in that way i thought queer was the same as gay so I, you know, I'm confused. Yeah. Or, and, and that's that's something I love, love, love. Yeah, about. I kind of also felt like queer was all encompassing everything. Yeah, else. I thought it was every like well, it's gay a, and lesbian. It's a political term now. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, queer was uh, a derogatory term mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, but it's been reclaimed. But I really love the LGBTQ community because you know, you know, our our. Uh, our symbol is a rainbow. The flag is a rainbow. Mm-hmm. So many different colors. So many different people. It's mm-hmm. a big umbrella that uh, should include everyone. I mean, but LGBTQ I don't feel people like could be anyone. I don't feel oh, like true. it does because I love the rainbow, but because it is a uh, affiliated with LGBTQ, I feel like I can't walk around with the a rainbow. You can walk around with the rainbow, Tracy. You are empowered <laughs> as an ally and friend of the community to have all the rainbows that you want. Rainbows are not the dominion of anyone, anything. Okay, but does that invite a certain... Like, I'm not a lesbian, so if a lesbian approached me and saw that I had a rainbow, like, would it bring about unnecessary, like, attention that I don't want? No, I don't think that it would. I don't think that... You know, a lesbian may come up to you or a bisexual woman or even a straight woman who finds you attractive Mm -hmm. could very well see that rainbow and say, oh, I want to step to her. And she may step to you. And then how you respond to her would then warrant what would then happen next. So then I would say, oh, I just love rainbows. I would actually say, I wouldn't say that. What I would actually just, you know, (laughs) not seem like I'm interested. And typically when you don't seem interested, people that you're not interested in go away. No, this is 2019. Just just People. get their pronouns right. Okay, <laughs> right, Get the but, pronouns but right. But I will say this this point, like what you're saying about kind of this expanding set of acronyms and different changes and self-identification. I love uh, the diversity and inclusion work that I do because when we think about these different conceptions of what it means to be Mm -hmm. it helps us challenge so many assumptions that we have it helps Mm -hmm. us think outside the box and think differently in ways that you know perhaps there were societal norms that are changing now because we're able to see people differently see expression differently Mm -hmm. see identification differently and i think that when we think about social justice it requires people to think differently 
And I think that uh, a lot of this diversity and inclusion progress that's being made is helping us have that those critical conversations mm-hmm. that expand and you know include more people and uh, mm-hmm. than ever before. I, I, in in Chicago, there's a theater called Steppenwolf Theater, yeah. and they have. Yes. Uh, a cafe connected to the theater and they have a bathroom that I don't know them I don't know what to say we all all can go in a gender neutral bathroom that anyone can use and I expressed a concern for me because what if a man just walked in so it wasn't a single stall no it is like multi stalls and I was like well I feel uncomfortable because if a man who says he identifies as a a female walks in here but then he starts jacking off to the women like I was I'm sorry can I say that you can say this isn't the (laughs) breakfast club I'm sorry we are are adults we're adults I mean you can I mean you know I'm sorry no it's fine if a man you know is going to masturbate okay but no you can you you know, My whatever. vocabulary is not as vast as yours. You can say whatever you like. Thank you. But, you know, that could happen. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm kind of concerned. Like, this is kind of scary for me. You know, and, and I, that's valid. There was a situation uh, in the news just uh, last week in Atlanta where a young lady was in a changing room at an Abercrombie and Fitch and a man mm-hmm. randomly just walked in on her and started to engage in such a lewd act. Mm-hmm. I think that's valid, but on the other end of it, I would say that if you're not comfortable in that type of a restroom, you need to hold your waist. <laughs> you know and what? you need to go somewhere else. I am 40 years old. Mm-hmm. I cannot hold certain things anymore. Okay. So, then you relieve go, yourself, Then you're going to be in there watching that man <laughs> jack off. You know what? I'm so, <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, a lot of folks have that similar concern, uh, but I, I think that restrooms, you know, have been a, a really interesting site of social change. I mean, we think back to the civil rights era, mm. the civil rights mm-hmm. movement, you know, mm-hmm. the, the bathroom, you know, had a different sign mm-hmm. over it. And, you know, this is such an intimate space and private space. Um, but I think the reality, though, in terms of possibilities that are negative for people's safety is what's most likely to happen is that a trans person goes into the restroom uh, with which they identify and someone actually may attack or harass them. And so that's probably more likely to happen than, you know, someone who is, you know, perverted and attempting to, you know, use that space. But, you to know, fulfill his for right. sexual gratification. But no, this is a big issue for people who are trans, you know, because someone may look at them and see a particular gender that uh, doesn't align with their identity and may attempt to harass them or Mm -hmm. attack them or be violent with them in the restroom. And so that's something that occurs a lot. And uh, that happens more often than uh, anything else. Wow. So, you know, and I think that's a a great point that the violence towards, you know, towards trans individuals it's probably way it's way more common than someone engaging in you know inappropriate you know inappropriate sexual acts. Um, we have a interesting situation here in Georgia also where a Georgia high school teacher is being investigated for telling the class that uh, carrying around or having a Confederate flag is like basically saying that you're going to marry your sister. <laughs> um, and you know it's really I think this is a really interesting debate. 
Um, how do you guys? Uh, how do you guys feel about the Confederate flag in general? When I see the Confederate flag, like if I see a truck driving down the street or somebody with the Confederate flag on their T-shirt, on their t-shirt. I, I yeah. immediately think that they are racist. That's just my. You automatically say this person is racist. I associate. You don't associate it with like a sense of Southern heritage and pride at all because my side, I'm on the other side of the Confederacy. I do not see that as a historically, you know. I see it as oppression. It's oppressive. Mm -hmm. It's an oppressive symbol. What do you think, Paris? Well, the the Confederate flag. We know what it represents. Uh, It. It was adopted by Mm pro-slavery states uh, that were so bent on retaining uh, chattel slavery as their their economic driver that they uh, seceded from the uh, the United States and went to war. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what that represents. It represented that through Jim Crow, through segregation, and through uh, modern-day current racism. It has the same meaning. it's, it's very uh, problematic. I live in Richmond, which is uh, the mm-hmm. capital of the Confederacy, where we have monuments uh, to Confederate generals uh, that are, you know, 30, 40 feet tall mm-hmm. lining our streets. Um, you know, uh, when I was teaching at Mississippi State, uh, you know, my department head had a Confederate flag uh, taped to his briefcase. And, you know, it was one of the most uh, oppressive and racist environments that I've ever worked in. And so for me, it's, it's you know, it's, it's very visceral, you know, to be a part of, you know, the rich history in the South and to see what that represents. And then you have some folks who, you know, say it's a matter of heritage. Yes, it's a, it's a pro-slavery heritage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that anyone who denies that... Uh, Probably is racist as well. Okay, so now what if though on the flip of it, mm-hmm. you have someone, and so it, let's say that I am a white person in Richmond County, Georgia, where I have accepted and embraced the fact that this flag is offensive, this flag is a symbol of racism and hatred, and I'm going to no longer brandish it. But then I see the black power fist raised in protest, and I see people kneeling, and I see, and then I then I say to myself, if that represents a sense of pride for some people in protest, and why can't this also? But those symbols were never used to oppress people. It, those mm-hmm. symbols were used to say we are being oppressed, to yeah. speak against oppression. And so that argument is not valid, and you can keep it. I wasn't making the I'm, argument. Not you, I'm saying <laughs> but no, the good. understood you, the person who believes that way. Because that's know, oftentimes yeah, stated in the that. debate. We and, never and have used kneeling or the, the fist as a, uh, yeah, you know, come over here. And, yeah. It's so a very to, false equivalent. Yeah. It doesn't Black cons- people have never used consider power. Yeah. It doesn't consider the power dynamic. Yeah. So, but as far as an educator doing this, I don't think yeah, I don't that, think that is the appropriate So you think that this teacher may very well be she may lose, lose her he, job. She may lose, it's a she, may lose her job. Yes, but I mean, how do you have that conversation with young children? I mean, it's by asking the question, what do you, what does the Confederate flag mean to you? And then we open a dialogue. 
you can't just put up your opinion about it. And that's right. Some some as the some conversations are not for teachers to have. And I personally feel that that as an educator, so much work has been pushed on teachers. There's an erosion between what is the teacher's job and the teacher's role and the actual role of education as a whole, and what is the role of the home, the community, and the parents to to for kids. And then a larger portion of society also has a role. So but I firmly. It- it, it didn't say this flag represents oppression. No, it, it says, says that this flag represents you want to marry, marry your sister. sister. So she took the this and went left. It may have done more harm. Yeah, than good. Then it, 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 now the conversation won't be had. Yeah. Well, my comment is that, uh, you know, this uh, the Confederacy, the Confederate flag, the Confederate monuments, yes, they are historic because these were historic events. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they belong in a museum yeah, for that somewhere. reason. They don't belong on our streets. They don't belong in our classrooms or, you know, in any other public spaces. I think they should be uh, appropriately contextualized uh, in the way that most historic artifacts are. But then the opposite argument would be the same thing goes for any of the civil rights leaders in the civil rights movement. That also civil belongs. rights was for everyone. Also, the uh, it, people who were oppressed. Yeah. Like, you can't, that is not an argument it, it we can also, continue to have. It also begs you know? the question of, like, what kind of leaders do we want to yeah. celebrate and honor and emulate you know Mm -hmm. do we want our kid our children to look up to uh people who enslaved people and attempted to you know fight and killed Mm -hmm. many many people Mm -hmm. in attempt to keep slaves Mm -hmm. uh you know, I, I don't think that's something that you want to celebrate, do, emulate, yeah. honor is that as not, a leader. Or do we want to celebrate General, General Lee? But about think about it. Of course, that's not something that we yeah, in this studio mm-hmm. want to see. Well, I, but I just don't think anyone would. I mean, as a, Donald as a, Trump is yeah. president of the United States. He ran on a platform of hatred and fear yeah. and white nationalism. He was elected. Yeah. Not by popular vote, but by the process that puts presidents in place in the United States of America. Donald he overwhelmingly Trump, Donald, did win the, the majority Trump. of uh, small counties and little places around the United States. He, he won, won the Electoral College. He won. He won Electoral College. and he Running won a campaign of hate and fear and white nationalism. Well, he, he did run that campaign, but it wasn't until Russia, uh, through WikiLeaks, mm-hmm. uh, muddied the waters for Hillary and also James Comey came out. Uh, and brainwash black voters. That's exactly what I wanted to talk to you about on Monday when you talked about the in uh, was it maybe inordinate amount of uh, black homes impacted by mass incarceration. Yes. Do you feel that Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, or particularly the Clinton administration, had a large role to play in that process? I think that uh, anyone from that era probably had a large part to play in that process. But did it not benefit the black community? Mass incarceration? Yep. Absolutely not. We, they, they privatized prisons. We yeah. didn't. There's, there's, Ain't no black people privatizing prisons. They were making their, they still are making money off of well, I, I can't the enslaved. I can't express express how frightened I was as a child of interacting with law enforcement or being arrested. Uh, being from where I'm from in that era, I was born in the '80s. I've never been arrested, and that's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, being from where I'm from, uh, but I think that you know when we see how 
behavior that could be potentially criminal now is treated in terms mm-hmm. of like drug addiction or mm-hmm. other matters, uh, even selling drugs, mm-hmm. dispensing them. Oh, yeah. um, we see that there's a more humane, compassionate way of dealing with these things. And I think that because uh, uh, there's a view of people of color or poor people as not deserving and worthy of that compassion or maybe being subhuman, uh, they were just locked up. And when you see communities like where I'm from on the south side of Chicago and see the impact of what that means where you have mothers and fathers who are not in their home, mm-hmm. who are not able to raise their children, who are not able to work and contribute to their household, who may not even be able to be there because they're locked up, uh, who can't have a job, who, you know, so many things and how people who are incarcerated from then on are treated as second-class citizens Mm -hmm. and the recidivism rate where uh, the system is designed to just keep churning them back into prison is devastating and has been for our community. And I'm glad that the discussion about reparations is including, you know, the impact of mass incarceration, of the school-to-prison pipeline that, Mm. you know, over-disciplines and criminalizes uh, young people of color. There is a lot of work to be done. Uh, I've talked about it. I'm a huge Hillary Clinton fan. Will probably always be a huge Hillary Clinton fan. Uh, I definitely feel as though um, there was a whole entire mass campaign to dissuade African American voters and Black voters and people of color in general from voting in the 2016 election that worked in some communities. Uh, I definitely uh, you. Were I think add. I think there was a, a mass effort with the DNC to make sure that Hillary was the nominee. I agree with that too. Mm-hmm. Over Bernie. Absolutely. And I think that she deserved to be the nominee over Bernie, but that's just me. Is my, you know. Well, she, she could have earned it. I feel like she did earn it. Well, she was well, receiving debate questions. I have to get yeah, I have to, I mean, I can't deny these facts. You're, you're accurate. You're right. Wasserman Schultz was putting her finger on the scale in the favor of Hillary. And I was a supporter of Hillary too, but I'm these just things acknowledging. Happen. Yep. That, 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 yeah. There are powerful systemic forces on all sides that are attempting to, to you know leverage their will that is true and i guess for time's sake we'll move forward and go from a former presidential candidate to a current hopeful presidential camp candidate with uh senator kamala harris announcing her ambitious six-month paid family leave plan tracy you said this is something that you really care about yeah i i, I have no children but um I do believe that parents should be afforded the opportunity to stay home, especially mothers go through childbirth, okay, and should not be out in the air in the open. They should be bonding with their child. I, I'm for real. Our bodies need time to heal. They shouldn't be out there ripping and running. In the, yes. in the air. In the, in the air. air. Ripping, ripping and I'm running. The South. My ripping and running. Say, you Have you heard people say ripping and running? Ripping and running. You out here ripping and running. You Piddling around. To and from. You know? So I, I think that is, is important. We need to heal and bond with the child. But I also think fathers should be given the same opportunity we talk about gender equality yeah. the father should Paternity be given an opportunity yeah he should be for the given- same six months yes they can be out in the cold no <laughs> but i also think that is where the disconnect between father and children is that they are not at home uh seeing how the mother what the mother has to go through as, on on a day-to-day to raise a child they are not at home daddy bear has to child. go out to the to the they don't have to catch 2019 now we are not cavemen anymore. this is okay. the point i was making earlier about the pronoun discussion <laughs> right. and how it's expanding gender roles okay. you know 
you know, these are topics that I think have changed drastically. I think in the past, paternity leave for uh, having a child would have been like, what? Like, yeah. huh? You know, because it would be assumed that the norm is that the mother would be the person who yeah. would, you know, but be a skin ch- skin caretaker. contact with the male, you know, bonding needs to happen. Fathers, in my opinion, are very disconnected. I can only speak from my experience with my dad. My parents have been married for 44 years, but he was never in the home. Why? Because he was always Working. out coaching somebody's football team, yeah. bonding with somebody else's kid. And he wasn't at home with me. So I think this is a, that, that is important. Yeah. And it'll give the, the mother a chance to rest and, and the parents a chance to bond and work on co-parenting skills. Yeah, I saw a stat recently <laughs> also that uh, there was a high proportion of African-American women who were uh, very concerned and afraid about dying in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this is uh, a mm. bigger question just about medical care and our medical system as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know Kamala and many other uh, uh, Democratic nominees are... Uh, attempting to go even further than Obamacare has with Medicare for all. And I think this proposal is a part of that that Medicare plan uh, for people to have the care that they really need. Yep. I agree 100%. Exciting. Um, possible. Do you think that Senator Harris has a chance? No. Tracy, why not? I told you. <laughs> She's too hesitant when she talks. I don't trust her. Really? Yeah, I don't trust her sometimes. You know, she's... Um, Oh, I, I, I mean, she's just her? not able. She's not relatable. She doesn't, for, have you she seen, doesn't articulate her thoughts well. Have you seen Senator me. Harris uh, in her committee questioning folks during hearings? Oh, yeah. She's a she's a beast. But I think Elizabeth Warren beats her. And even in that, in her. I mean, that's her. That's her train. That's see what yeah, you hit on. A, that's her job. That's she's, 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 she's amazing at that. That's her great training and her great experience. But being Ask authentic, yeah. honest, and someone that people can relate to. Well, she did have that moment about busing with Joe Biden that folks seemed to really. To I think that was staged. I, I, I didn't agree. I, I, I didn't feel that it was good. I thought that was an inappropriate time to talk about that because I do believe people can change. Yes, the busing thing he was a part of. Not deal. saying that he's changed. But I don't think that people. I do think people can grow yeah. and learn from. Because he said that you black kids were mistakes. poor. Yeah, oh, you know. Yeah. And he's cool. He lost. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can curse on the podcast. Sometimes oh, goes, you can curse on the podcast. This goes back to that question you asked before about the Clintons with you know their super predators and mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. You know they were very much a part of uh, the momentum that was built to incarcerate people. Uh, I don't think they're really. Uh, I would say that they were a part of a push to clean up communities that were truly struggling at a time in American history. That's what I think. Three I know it's not popular. Three strike rule. Again, mandatory I think minimums. All of that. There, there are a lot of different ways that it could have happened, mm-hmm. but I think that a number of communities are better today because of the harsh stance that was taken yeah and we're talking about the clintons who have their political careers because of large african-american exactly that's that's right which actually makes an argument for for what i'm saying because at that time frame i don't believe that the black community would be so aligned against their own self-interest if the need wasn't there our black leaders backed this so so much so so that we felt that president clinton was our first quote unquote? I'm using using air quotes. So black president. Was there president a need for equal because, opportunity 
Was there a there need was. for... There was, absolutely. But, and again, the need was there. Our leaders believed in these policies. Our leaders also supported them. So we can look back now through a different 21st century well, lens. I mean, when you're talking we about can look at it through people. a whole entire woke lens and say all this was wrong. You look at but at that time frame, they were focused on cleaning up communities that were in disarray, you, stopping drive-by shooting, up stopping, but cleaning up stopping black-on-black crime but and black-on-black no, black no criminality that was that. ravaging you our cannot, communities and can, building up okay. long-term systemic generational curses. And that's what they fit. That is what the Clinton administration focused okay. on and but you cannot me, implement I give them a kudos you. you can't implement a program like that without therapy behind it you, you cannot should implement, not have but it did you, happen there, needs to, there needed to have been a rehabilitation component added to that you don't just it would have been ideal but and, and an President Clinton component. had a budget to balance which he did yeah. as we're now in a 77 trillion dollar deficit so shout out to that balanced budget well I think this the, <laughs> the, the essence of what you just said would suggest that African Americans had some sort of input or say so in how these policies were drafted yeah. or enacted Furthest thing from the truth. And who were those um, leaders? And, you know, these generations. Reverend Jesse Jackson is one. <sighs> but I think if you have someone who is oppressed, who is fearing for their safety, you know, I, I don't necessarily uh, think that, you know, the standard, uh, you know, w- what is the standard? You know, is it, are they having compassion for themselves? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, I don't know. And the standard shouldn't be lock them up. It should be provide resources so these communities can thrive. You have to provide job opportunities. You have to provide yeah. uh, equal or better educational opportunities. People of color are no more likely to commit crimes than anyone else. We know that. That is true. There's I, a disproportionate yeah, amount of people of color uh, in prison, many for nonviolent crimes, mm-hmm. drug-related crimes. Uh, again, uh Yes, we can look back in hindsight and say we would do it differently, but I, I'm looking back in hindsight and saying it was racist then and it still is now. And I'm in agreement. And it, it had the intent, the intent and purpose to perpetuate Jim Crow segregation uh, for those who have been charged with crimes, mm-hmm. who may or may not have been guilty, but who were held sometime for months and years mm-hmm. without being able to be released and pled guilty to crimes that they may not have commit, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, they were helpless. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then after they're released, they're in the system. And again, we, and I just want to, we're going to move on. We got so much to talk. We're going to move forward. But again, in terms of who supported this, our black leaders that supported it included Kurt Schmoke, black mayor of Baltimore, who was a big supporter, including Kwasi Mfume, who was our leader of the Congressional Black Caucus at the time frame, as well as the majority of that caucus. People voted and supported this in mass yeah, numbers. Well, they were there and black elected officials were our voice at well, the time. Who we voting against at the time? I wasn't. But again, it's a historical lens that we have to look through. And that yeah, now yeah. it's a new day and age, and it's easy to sit now and, and critique it but without realizing what was at stake then. But what isn't so easy to critique is Takashi69, <laughs> who uh, is now meme famous for uh, being a tattletale at best, a stinking rat at worst. And many people were saying his career was over, but it seems as though reportedly he is going to have a $10 million uh, recording deal after he is released from prison if he serves any prison time. One Spanish album and one English. 
So, what do you guys think about this? People were saying his career is over. His career is over. You think so? Despite this. People will not support him after this. It's just, he won't garner the support that he needs to Would be. you have listened to him before this? No! I saw him eating an ice cream cone on a Nicki Minaj video while I was in the gym once. And I was thinking to myself, who is this kid? Yeah, his music isn't good. He's not a good rapper. He's not a good so, rapper. I don't think anyone's career is over anymore. You know, mm-hmm. you don't. So, I mean, once someone falls You don't think there's grace, a consequence anymore? All they have to do is write a, a book and, and, you know, they come back. I mean, we've seen it over and over I think he'll be again. dead before he steps two feet out the But then again, gym. if the game is real, if what we watch on Power on Sunday nights is a real world, then yes. But I think in, in the, the entertainment industry and, you know, with rap and hip hop, you know, this gives him... Maybe some street cred, even though it was a snitch. I don't know. No way. I think he Snitches end up in ditches after they get their stitches. That's what it's supposed to be. Not saying it's going to happen. But but if he does do well, that will further my theory of him being a government plant. Okay. And that that he has to... To take down that gang in New York. To take down the gang. And so... Uh, Takashi Six Nine, not a great rapper. Uh, what about Drake? Is Drake a great rapper? Rapper. Drake I is like fine. Drake. Great. <laughs> Drake is fine. I like Drake. We like Drake. I like his music. So Drake also made the news last week in regards to the fact that he and his father were going back and forth. His father, Dennis Graham, Dennis Graham, saying that Drake did not start from the bottom, that he wasn't an absent dad, and that many of the lyrics that he's talking about in regards to him being an absent father are unfair and not true. Whereas Drake came back and stated that that is not the case and that, you know, he is not just trying to use his father and this claim of being underprivileged to sell records. We would need to hear from the mother, but I don't believe that that is far off. You don't think that you think that will happen or probably not? I mean, Drake is an actor. Let's just so you think he, he that was he an could actor be. first. So he understands the important importance of playing characters. Right, right. I think too, you know, it could be that his father sees involvement in one way and Drake sees it in another way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, parents may think because I'm I provide this mm-hmm. for you that I'm being a good dad, or because I'm there for you, I'm being a good dad, not realizing that there's a lot that the child may have needed. But still didn't receive. But also the image that Drake portrayed his father to be is the image that is socially acceptable, culturally acceptable with African-Americans. Father looked like a pimp. He was absentee. He was, you know, all of these things. So that's so relatable to a lot of the people that have lived that life. Yes. But to perpetrate it and it's not your life, I think is a massive, uh, at best, it's a disservice to the community Mm -hmm. because you're portraying a stereotype. Or but a lot of people do that. A lot of rappers pretend to be something that they're not for the sake of yeah. sales. Yeah, and I assume that as a as an audience member who's listening, I don't assume that what they're rapping about or singing about is the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's Some an attempt to relate. Chief Key, now I definitely you think, think he's living the life. But this one, you he's think an now. actor. Drake's an actor. Mm-hmm. Mm. And but his mom, but his mom could be the one to tell us the real deal. If his mom comes out and speaks on his, well, behalf. Sesame Street has a new character, a Muppet whose mother could also tell a tale, but she has an opioid addiction. Uh, Sesame Street is really focused on representation. They have a brand, <laughs> they have a brand new Muppet. Do they have a mixed couple? 
on Sesame Street. Here's you know, my thing. We've got to be careful about what we're Carly's exposing. mom. Carly is the character, the Muppet, and her mm-hmm. mom is an opioid addict. Because there are kids who are being affected by this. Uh, the show has done a lot of difficult things. They've depicted death, racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also have a Muppet who has autism. That's great. Opioid. I mean, would they have one whose mother was a crack head? You know. What are you trying to say, Tracy? What I'm saying is, I think they're catering to the whites. Again, more humane. You feel you like know? it's not. The, yeah, they're making. The, they're this humanizing whole, an opioid yes, addiction. Yes. The crack did not do, epidemic but now, was but demonized. Is that because of the time we live in and we're living in a, a more humane time? No. Well, I, you you, I, you yeah. can't ignore the, the demographics of the, the change. Correct. You know, um, you're right. Marijuana has changed. So has uh, the individuals and entities selling the you're marijuana. Right. You're and right. Growing the marijuana. You're right. Uh, so, it's most certainly not a more humane so yeah, time. Times, Donald Trump the, is president. The, the times have changed, and the players who are participating yeah. in these formerly criminal acts yeah. have changed. They they they're not demonizing this addiction, but they demonized crack addiction. They made crack addicts criminals. And poor parents, but they're making this opioid addiction. You know, this is a problem that we need a solution for. Everyone needs to be educated about this because now young white kids are getting addicted to this. And so when it when it was our problem, it wasn't an issue. It was lock you up. Yeah. You know, but now that it's going into their communities, let's do something about it. I promise you, if white well, more white gangs came you know, out, like it's gang problem. Because the two of you are so aligned with such a phenomenal synergy, uh, I have to always, you know, I think it's important to give a balance. You know, I don't want to be like Fox News. Fine. So let me tell you what the Fox <laughs> News perspective, fair and balanced, fair and balanced would say. This is what they would say. Someone would say that. Crack was something that you sought out, and it's something that was a recreational use of a drug that you sought out to get high. These folks were prescribed these but, opioids often, but opioid addiction opioids. is something that starts for many people. It's what they would say once they have been exposed to it because of matters or an issue or an illness or an accident that well, is not get, their own. How does it get to the masses, though? You got the drug, and then all your friends get it. Like that, right. no. A lot of these folks were not prescribed. Exactly. That's a, yeah, I'm just giving true. you the. <laughs> but I actually applaud Sesame Street for okay. this move. Did you watch Sesame? Did you guys watch Sesame Street? Oh, I oh, loved course. Gordon. Did you have a favorite character? Gordon is was your favorite one. It was the black man. Yeah. With the ball. Oh, Gordon. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these may seem like grown up issues, but kids are dealing, dealing with these yeah, issues. And, you know, addiction is a big issue that a lot of people, you know, maybe don't want to talk about or don't know how to talk about with kids. And uh, it, I haven't seen this, but I hope that it was uh, helpful for kids to think about how to deal with substance abuse. And Not parents, just for their parents, yeah, but also for, for themselves, themselves to understand what it is. But I also think it's exposing, this is me, kids to something that they might not know about. Yeah. So, now, this is a different day. Now, kids are exposed you to everything. Of course, you think they yeah. know about opioid addiction at two and three? Well, don't watch Sesame Street, you know, two to six, sometimes I, but eight. But I, I want my kids to be exposed to something because I told them. I don't want to say, hey, baby, okay, uh, mommy's got to do X, Y, and Z. You sit and watch Sesame Street, and then all of a sudden, 
opioid addiction comes right. up and I'm like, what? But it's a great time to educate your child when a child brings you the issue and say, mommy, what is opioid addiction? And you explain that people take drugs and they shouldn't and they get addicted to those drugs they shouldn't take because it messes up their bodies and if you take them, you're going to die. I'm just going to show them pictures of what addicted people look like. look like. And I think I, that can go This is your way. brain. I okay. think I would ask my parents why Muppets are doing drugs. Mm. <laughs> you probably parents know you you probably have and that's a great way to end this amazing week oh I'm sorry we got we do have one more one more one more topic oh, yeah. cue it up cue it up Tracy we have yeah. got to talk about this black police officer who says he was forced to resign why because he was told he was a disgrace to the uniform after wearing an afro wig what do we think about this I think it's really sad. It's very sad and it's bogus because he was completing 20 years of service with his police force. He was a few days shy of that mark. Yeah, and that's what I think is most tragic. I think that many t- that they would do this to an At officer who has given so much time to a career over, it may have been a lapse in judgment or it may have been a harmless non-issue and now you're going to deny him his retirement benefits? It's heartbreaking and I think that this is a prime example of the type of corruption and problems that exist in a police force uh, that shot down and killed uh, mentally ill black man yeah. two years ago that we're waiting on a ver- that we, we got the verdict for. It's absurd. It's absurd. And I think it's also, you know, 41 minutes in a Wednesday episode is absurd. So thank you guys for coming out and have a great uh, rest of the week. Can't wait for you to join us on the 3 Plus 1 podcast come next Monday. Bye, y'all. Bye.